Radio. Yours truly, the Gap Tooth Guru of Gumbo, this Thursday, what is it like, September 3rd, birthday month, Virgo season. I'm going to say less, okay? Just going to say less. 43 uh, coming this month, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what I'm going to do about it, probably nothing, but I am looking forward to my birthday this year because uh, this is a special one um, for many reasons. But I, I want to go back to some things that I used to do on when we kicked off the gumbo talk show. We used to play the black national anthem. I got to get back to that. Um, And I always gave you some black history for the week or the day, usually some black history for the week. And I'm going to get back to that too, just to have those highlights fresh on your mind every single week about how great, we are as a people. I am um, happy about the fact that it's been over six years we've been doing this show, and I'm satisfied with the fact that we have different avenues of doing it, but I'm also looking at growing. And so probably pretty soon you'll see a different change in the background, I'm going to try to elevate the show to YouTube and some other forms of media now that I have the opportunity in front of me. So I'm going to link up with some people and grow that. Hey, what's going on, Sophie? I see you. So look forward to that, getting back to the old school format, but in a new venue with an expanded media content coming for the Gumbo Talk Show. Now, then I got that out of the way. I, this topic this week, Behind the Eight Ball, hit me the other day because I've kind of been in my feelings the last few days, I'm guessing. It's really, really hit me about what's going on. I've been avoiding news. I've been avoiding things that are going on, Not, but I don't need to be inundated with constant videos of people that look like me getting murdered. I don't see that being blasted on the news media for white folks at all. I don't even see it for Mexicans that much. But every month there's a new video. I mean, it's almost every week, every other day, it's a new video about a black man getting either suffocated or killed at the hands of the police, shot, tased to death. And then they're like, people will constantly share the information. And at some point, it's no longer information, and it's almost like there's this S&M or sadomasochist-type mentality that we have 
in this country that we strive for pain and suffering more than we do peace and love. And it's kind of getting old to me, and therefore I stopped watching the news a few years ago. So the topic tonight, wherever you are, matters to all of us. Uh, The position and place we choose demonstrates how we play the role that we've been given determines our ability to either elevate or denigrate ourselves. And so tonight I want to talk about perception and reality being constructs that manipulate our actions and inhibit our free thoughts. So there's a lot of things that we have control over, and then there are a lot of things that we don't have control over. Unfortunately, a lot of us tend to focus on the things that we don't have control over and try to change a person's mind about who they are. And then there's really only one group or one uh, category, if you will, of people in this country that are in charge. Now, they said by the Constitution or by the foundation of this country that everything was equal and level. But clearly there are some people with more power, more authority, more ability to get, I'm going to say, easements. I'm not talking about real estate. I'm talking about a word I made up, easy on them. They have easements. Uh, They have rights of ways that other people don't have that we're supposed to have. And so it came to me behind the eight ball, the the pool table that's green for money. We're supposed to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in this country. And that was given to us through uh, a Bill of Rights, Articles of Corporation, and and what's known now as a constitution, right? And in that, the, the table is supposed to be fair. But we know that on the table, there are a lot of things, a lot of powers that be, <clears throat> and a lot of rules change for everybody else. But they don't necessarily change for one. For instance, the cue ball, the only white ball on the table, no matter what game you're playing, whether it's uh, eight ball or it's nine ball, right, the cue ball is the one that knocks everything else into the hole. (laughs) The cue ball wants to be the only one on the table left. And then the eight ball is the key ball. In fact, if you get the eight ball in the hole, no matter what other color you knock out, if you continue to knock the eight ball into the hole, uh, you've won the game if you got to that point. In in nine ball, it is now the yellow ball, I guess centralized focus. But here's the kicker. In nine ball, it's still the cue ball knocking ball, everything else into the hole. But if you take and you take and hit the next ball in order, I don't know if y'all know how to play nine ball, but in nine ball, you have to go in order. The cue ball has to knock in balls one through nine. Okay, and it's got to go in that order consecutively. You can't just do like eight ball and you knock all the play, all the stripes in, <clears throat> or all the solids in. You 
you have an order. But the caveat is, is if you can knock, or let's say the one, two, and three ball is already gone in the hole, if you knock the four ball into the nine ball, you've committed a trick that allows you to win the game instantly. And I began to think about all of the uh, similarities. I mean, I really went big time um, <laughs> old five percenter type vice lord training uh, Muslim on it, Garvey. I was thinking, you know, hey, that is got to be uh, the best understanding of how we are in this country. That if you can get one group, if you can convince one group of people to knock another group of people into the hole, um, you are still on the table, but you didn't win. The cue ball won. But your fellow colored folk are in the hole, and you're still on the table with no power. I don't even think I need to explain that anymore to y'all. But as I thought about all of those things, that all came to my mind, um, I need some water, literally the other day, and and it hit me. I said, well, they use a term when you're talking about a people that is, or you're talking about a person, maybe not a group of people, but let's say an individual that is struggling and it seems like, they're not really making their way. We we say they're behind the eight ball. Now, it, I don't know where that came up, and I probably should have looked it up to see what the origins are of the term behind the eight ball. But behind the eight ball isn't really all that good, but it's not really all that bad. Because here's the thing. And I'm getting into all of the whole show at the gate so that y'all know quickly where I'm going with this. So if you want to tune out, you can tune out. But if you stay on, we're going to get even deeper. But the thing of it is, is the eight ball in, in the game of pool is put right in the center of all the other balls. And then there's an order to it for the, for the solids and the stripes to go when you rack them, right, in the triangle. And then the cue ball has to break them. I mean, <laughs> all these things I got to thinking – I said, okay, behind the eight ball means you're probably going to be one of the first ones that get knocked into the hole. Very rarely is anything in front of the eight ball knocked into the the pockets on the break. But even if you're knocked into the pocket on the break, you're out of the way, so you're not really necessarily behind the eight ball anymore. But if there is a shot, for the person shooting and or their strike is on the other side of the eight ball. If you hit the eight ball, you have to start back over at a particular spot on the table in order for, you know, well, actually the person that's the other person gets to start, but you lose your power. And I said to myself, well, that's great for the ball behind the eight ball. It's not so good for, the, the shooter. I began to think, well, then the next person gets to position the ball, the cue ball, wherever they want. Some people have it anywhere on the table. A lot of people can put it anywhere behind the dot from where you can shoot the uh, 
the break. Billions is a game that's played all over the world. There's a guy named um, Eflin Reyes. If you've ever seen any pool and you've not seen Eflin Reyes play or shoot pool, you have not seen greatness. Um, the way the man is able to manipulate the cue ball to do things on the table that most people that shoot pool can't do is simply amazing. <laughs> then I began to think, I was like, you know, I, I, one of my strategies is that when I'm doing community work or working on things, one of my strategies, and I'm not afraid to tell you, is that I, I because I grew up around a lot of cue balls, I've learned how to put some English on it. I've learned how to make the cue ball, if I'm able to get a shot on it, work around other balls. I can even bank shot. That means hit it up against the, the padding on the side of the table at an angle that comes back to another point on the table. Clear, clear trigonometry and geometry going on here. And those angles are able to help you win the game. But behind the eight ball has been a position that is not so, I guess, desired. It's a position that most people say they don't want to be in. Well, for some of us, we're in a position that we never asked to be in. We thought that after a certain declaration, or proclamation, there would be the same fair and equal opportunity and ability given to us as it's been for others because we're countrymen for some people. Um, I'm one of those. I live in a place I'm supposed to have inalienable rights. I have a Social Security card. I have a driver's license, I'm going to get a passport. I, I'm paying taxes, I have a home, I have a vehicle or two or three or four or whatever, and some of them raggedy, but you know, you know how it is. Um, I've got things that other people don't have, and I'm grateful. But one of the things that I don't have is equal treatment under law. One of the things I don't have is the privilege to make a mistake and the system allows me a break every time I make a mistake. Um, there is no friends in high places that are going to make it so that even if you did mess up or if I did mess up, that my mess up is overlooked and it's no longer a mistake. It was just an oversight on my part, and you know how things go. It just, it's uh, all good. Probably have some kind of mental illness when I shot that man. I, I'm not really uh, at fault or to blame for my actions. Don't have that privilege here. Um, behind the eight ball in this instance, 
is a position where although you're you're protected from a direct hit by the cue ball and maybe even there's a barrier between and a bank shot or some English or a curve for you to go around the eight ball and hit me, even if there's a barrier to that, I know that it's imminent in time my turn to be knocked in the hole is coming. And if I am the eight ball and I am the central point or central focus of attack, um, then there must be some form of understanding that I have to come to grips with, even if the game ends on a technicality and there's a chance to re-rack and do it all over again, or in some instances young brothers make a mistake and they serve their time and they, they do their time, but then you're right back on the table again, racked up right in the middle, knowing that it's imminent that there might be another chance for you to get knocked in the hole. I don't know if being the eight ball or being behind the eight ball is worse, which one is worse than the other. But I do know this. The game is being played. Now, <laughs> I, I prefer bowling more than I do pool, but I understand the concept of being behind the eight ball. I don't need a group of people that ain't never lived like I've lived or, or had the experiences that I've had or been the places I've been and been treated the way I've been treated to tell me what it's like to be me. I don't need that. And quite often that's what we do. We get into conversations or we avoid conversations when people are discussing us and we don't even put our own two cents in for fear that because we speak up, there might be something happen where we lose a certain privilege or opportunity. Well, I'm telling you now, in the game that's being played, your time is coming up whether you like it or not in this country. They're shooting for you. They're shooting at you. They're shooting you. Okay? It, it ain't no game. If you don't see it, then, then and even me, don't watch the news. I see it. You can't avoid it. I do Internet TV. I do Internet phone. I do Internet just about everything. This show, is you can't get it unless you got Internet or a phone. And you can call in to 515-605-9375 and listen to it that way, which is great. But for the most, there's only a few people on the phone line. But there's a lot of people on the Internet. So <laughs> if, if we're trying at all to survive, we've got to realize that even if you can't avoid the inevitable, whether you're being positioned to be knocked out or you have to see it, like I said at the top of the show, over and over and over again. At some point you have to learn that, okay, this is a dirty game. How I play my part 
and my position means everything. There's something that I do have control over, and that is, will I be able to last longer? Now, some people choose to change their color or try to act like there's something else. Let me tell you something. That, those things don't work. I remember at one time on my phone, I, that must have been, it was 2008 when I realized it, or was it seven? It might have been 2007 when I realized it, that on my phone when I left a voicemail um, message for you to uh call me back or to leave a message, you know, the voicemail greeting, that's what it's called, the greeting. When I left the greeting, this is how my greeting used to be. Hello, you've reached Brandon Johnson. I can't come to the phone right now, but if you leave a message with your name and your number, I will get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you. I... I did not know until I got awoken. Now I'm not a, I'm not awake like, like you know people say they woke. I I got more awake. I was a, a ruffled a little bit in my slumber, and I realized that what I was doing was I was taking the bass out of my voice. I was even effeminately speaking because I wanted the acceptance of a group of people that wants me dead, basically, to to feel comfortable with a voice on the phone that felt familiar to them. A lot of black folks still do that now where they have the the one voice at work and then they have the other voice at home or around friends. Now, I'm not telling you to talk like you talk around friends when you're comfortable. That's supposed to be a professional level of talk. But who said you had to take the bass out of your voice and effeminize yourself to be accepted? Absolutely no one. People... People to this day here in Texas think my mom and I, we talk white. No, we talk like we're from the Midwest. And that's where we're from. You, you, if I was from New York, you would say, oh, man, you talk like a Yankee. You know, if I was from, I don't know, Cali, they talk pretty proper uh, for the most part, but they got their own Cali vernacular. But in the South, if you talk proper, you talk white. That's something that we have control over. Both of those things we have control over. We have a control over how we think about a person that speaks proper. Doesn't mean that they're not for us. And we also have the choice to speak how our natural voice is and what God gave us and not be ashamed. I realized, you know, growing up um, that. You know, when you're big 
And what I mean by big, I mean like I've always been a big guy, a big kid, always. I was looking at some of my pictures the other day. I was like, that's ridiculous for an eight-year-old to be that size, right? Almost like Zoe. Zoe's a monster. She's sitting over there doing homework. You are a monster. Most of the sixth graders ain't your size. You want to come stand behind me so the people can see you and see if you're a monster or not? Yeah, he's a monster. He's a monster. Now all of a sudden she's studying, but she was just listening. But the point is, is that when you're a certain size, like when she goes back to school, whenever school is safe to return to, she'll be. She's already, she was already bigger than most of the kids in her elementary school. And so when she goes to middle school, she'll still be bigger than, than most of them. And I don't mean like I was big. Like she's just big, big, just, you know, just bigger. She's supersized. Man, I was fat, you know. thing of it is is that when you're big, you know, you stand out. And if you're the only one that looks like you, if there's a certain color, then you stand out even more. And you have to do things to, to bring that down. And one of the things I used to do was cower myself and talk more, uh, less bass in my voice and, you know, be all welcoming. And no matter how people used to treat me, and they used to treat me bad, I would accept it. I accepted it. Um, that doesn't go down anymore. I've moved on. And in, even in 2007, it took me to move on from, it took me that long to move on. What was that? What was that, 2007? I was like 30. Yeah, I was 30. It took me until I was 30, 31 years old to realize that I didn't need to um, effeminize myself even more. And I didn't realize that what, that's what it was. But I was always trying to dodge the cue ball. Even though I was always on the table, I was dodging it because I thought I could be like a cue ball. Couldn't be like a cue ball. And when I finally realized that, I was much younger. I think I was uh, nine when I realized I couldn't be. And then finally, when I was around 17, 16, I realized what, what the power was in black folks when I moved to the South and I seen black people doing things that I've never seen so many black people doing. When I mean, I mean, I was, I was coming to the South, but when you live here, you get to see like the teachers and the administrators and all this at schools and, and doctors and lawyers and stuff. And I was like, growing up, I, I can't remember going to one single doctor that was black. My dentist, I remember his name was Dr. Leffler in Davenport or Bettendorf, Iowa. He was white. I did have. Now, my mom, my mom would know this, but the, the pediatrician I had, doctor, it was Panga Nibon, I think. I don't know how I remember that, but I know my mom knows. I, it was, I think it was Dr. Panga Nibon. So he had to be something like Indian or Pakistani or something. I don't even remember what he looked like. I really don't, but I remember his name. Um, he was probably the only person of any ethnic um, background than white in the Midwest that I saw the doctor. Now in the South, I've had a black dentist. I got a black doctor, you know, a black, uh, what do you call it, a GI doctor. All these people are black, I mean, that I get treated by. So it's, it's amazing how I can maneuver in a system that's not for me, but yet I can, the things that I can have control over, and I can deal with, guess what? 
I can choose to fool with who I want to fool with, when I want to fool with them. So the things that we do have control over on this pool table of life, whether we're in front of or behind the eight ball and however you want to see it as a positive or a negative, if you're behind the eight ball, you're not in a bad position. As a matter of fact, we can be in some of the worst positions but if you know how to maneuver in your role, and that's the thing, knowing your role. I, I was pulled over in my truck three times, and I had uh, a bad inspection sticker and registration. It was out of date, out of date by some time. But I knew the reaction would be for most people in those situations when I got pulled over. I got pulled over by a Kilgore PD. I got pulled over by a Greg County P, uh, Sheriff's Officer, and I got pulled over by a Longview Police Officer. I didn't get a ticket. What I did was I was completely me standing of the position that I had on the side of the road along with the position that that those officers had. Now, this is no way in any way similar to uh, Blake or Floyd or Diallo or Garner or any of the stories that you know of that you've seen on TV or, or Internet the last few years, they, these things fail in comparison. But one of the things I knew going into it was I am not going to get into a conflict because, one, I'm not going to win the conflict. I've seen enough of this pool being played with the cue ball. You know, it can knock everything in the hole. And nobody even care, even the players, even not the players, I keep saying players and stripes, because that's on my mind, you know, stay away from players and stripes. And I got on this players shirt, and I keep looking at it. But the, the, the fact of it is you got solids and stripes. They can knock in any ball they want to. They can knock the eight ball in and still win the game. So when I was there, I'm going to tell you all what I did. I pulled over. Usually before they had a chance to get their engine hot and revved up, especially if they busted a U on me, by the time they got out of their U-turn, I was already pulled over. I was sitting there waiting on them. Hey, I know you were coming for me. Ain't got ain't nothing in here. Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing you worry about in here. You know, they don't even. They wasn't even asking me the question of is there any weapons in the car? Hell yeah. They just see that that car and I flash them, and they knew. But. I always had my insurance and my my license was valid. A lot of people don't have all that together. Those are the things I had to control over. I had to control over going to get in the doggone sticker, but I thought it was a waste, right? They get over on that money, 50-something, $60 every year, plus the $10 for the doggone sticker tag. And you know how they do it now. They break it up in Texas. But it's $60, $70 that they get you for. Um, I, 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 I need to pay it. I didn't, I'm, I'm like them. I'm like, shoot, I don't need to pay it. So when they pulled me over and then they asked me the questions, whether I was speeding, usually I was speeding. 
Um, they'd ask me questions and be like, hey, whoop, 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 whoop. And I'm like, here, here's my driver's license. You already looked up my registration and insurance, but here's the insurance card because they can look it up through the license plate. And, they, and then they get to the point where they look at the sticker. They're like, man, your sticker is out there. I said, yeah. I said, you see all this paperwork in here. But, man, I don't have time to go get that thing. I was like, I can go get it. I ain't going to sit here and tell you I don't have the money to pay for it. Now, there have been times I didn't have the money early on because that sticker was out a year. I was riding dirty on it. And um, at, one, at some points I didn't have the extra money to go get it, but I, I, I was at the point when I was getting pulled over, I had it. But I was like, look, bro, the way going down there to that office, you know, and, and, and they don't let you really do it online. It's not as easy online, and they charge you even extra online. I was like, I wasn't doing all that. I said, man, I can go get it. In fact, I'll go get it. You know, I told all three of them, man, I'll go get it. I can go get it tomorrow. And they would just be like, you know, one of them, the guy in Kilgore, he said, uh, um, you know, I've never had anybody be so honest and not come up with an excuse um, when they're explaining something. He's like, you told me exactly a reason. It makes sense. He said, have a good day, Mr. Johnson. I said, you have a good day, too. Now, I don't get into all that sir and all that I'll call them officer, or if their name, if I see their badge, I'll call them by their name. But I don't do all that sir and ma'am junk. No, you can call me. That's the way it's going to roll. But I'm not going to sit there knowing what you and your people have done to my people and, and, and form my mouth because I say that. But I will respect you because in that position I'm in, I have to play my role. But I ain't finna give you all that song and dance jazz and hip, hip, hip him hard and hoop out. I ain't doing all that. So I knew my role. I knew where I was on the table. I know their role. I know what makes them feel comfortable. I don't know if I ever told you all that story. I'll give you all another story. I was coming back from church one night a few years ago because, you know, it's been a long time since I've been to my home church on a regular basis, but I was going two or three nights a week out to where I'm known at the church. And I, for some reason, this night I was tired. Well, probably from doing all that driving all weekend, working all day and driving all day and all that. But I was uh, coming back. I was on Interstate 20, heading east, coming back into Longview. I wasn't but maybe four miles from Winona. I was still in Smith County, of course. And I wasn't even going the speed limit. I was going slow. And I don't know why I was going so slow, but I just had to take it easy because I was drowsy. And I got pulled over by this cop. Now, that's a few years ago. This is in the hot button stuff was going on where Eric Garner and Trayvon Martin was, was a big thing. And boy, I, I had this technique. I used to teach it to the kids. We used to do this thing uh, with the NAACP called interacting with 5 0, right? And so what I did was I took my hands and I put them like this with my palms up on the dash so that when the cop came up, I turned the inside lights on, all the inside lights on in the truck. Of course, I had the vehicle in park, and I, what I did was I put my hands on the dash like this so y'all can see that on the TV, right, uh, on, on the screen, right? And, I, and I, I, had my paw, I had my heel of my hand on the dash, and all ten of my fingers or eight of my fingers and my two thumbs pointed straight up in the air, all lights on, window down, and I had my driver's license in my mouth. You hear me? It was in my mouth. When the officer came up to the car, I could hear him start laughing. And the first thing he said was, 
you safe, brother. And it was a black state trooper. He was like, I was just checking on you. You were driving slow. I said, man, I'm just coming back from my church in Winona. I'm heading back home to Longview. You said you're going all the way to Longview? I said, man, that's where I live. I said, but I'm, I'm, I'm back there at my church on 155. And he was like, which one? I said, New Zion. He said, oh. He said, what you call it goes there? I said, yeah, Reddick. Reddick at the time was one of my brothers, fellow brothers. We did security for the church called the Eyes of Christ. And Brother Reddick and I, Red, Brother Reddick, rather, was a state trooper, admin. He just retired a few years ago, maybe seven years ago, six years, five years ago. Five years ago? Yeah, he retired about five years ago. And um, he'd been there for 30-something years, I think, maybe 40 years in law enforcement. And so uh, he knew him. Of course, there ain't that many black troopers across Texas, but um, he was just like, man, I was just checking on you. You were driving awfully slow. I didn't say you were doing any violations, but, man, you, 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 I see you got it. I said, man, look, I ain't playing no games with y'all. He said, don't say y'all. I said, no, you're wearing that uniform. I don't know what's behind that badge. You know, same thing, behind that badge or behind the eight ball. We're talking this topic. But but he let me go because I didn't really violate anything. I, he didn't even really look at my driver's license. He was so enamored uh, by the fact that a, a brother was taking every precaution. But he was also, I could tell he was upset that I had to do it. But he was laughing it off. I'm like, shoot, I said, man, y'all ain't finna get me, brother. I got it up. You got your dash cam on, all them lights you got back there, they can see my fingers up in the air. I ain't got nothing, and I ain't moving. So he told me I can relax, and I put my hands on the wheel with my, my like this so he could see my hands, and I and I, I spit the driver's license down on my stomach because you know I got a little shelf right here, and that's when we had that conversation. But, y'all, you got to understand these Positions that we're in, you know, I was, uh, we was talking to a friend the other day, and we was talking about uh, somebody getting fired, and I can't remember the story exactly, but but the the short of it is, a brother was doing the same thing that a white counterpart at his job was doing, but he got fired, and the other dude did, and I was like, well, duh, I mean, how are you in twenty twenty? And you think you're going to get away with stuff that everybody else gets away with and not be called out on it and, and, and lose your job. I mean, that's just stupid for you to think that it's going to be fair. You, you, The fairness is few and far between. It's blatantly obvious. Why would you do something so stupid? Now, y'all probably saying, well, you were stupid for, for driving around with no inspection sticker in good and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I probably was asking for it, but for the most part, I drove around safely. You know, I didn't get pulled over a lot because uh, it was uh, I drove safely. You know, some people think I drive fast. I don't drive fast. My mom and my wife do. Jokers be getting it and act like they don't get there. My mom made it back from um, Illinois one time back here in like 13 hours. And she was talking about she wasn't speeding. It takes us 16 hours. How do you do that in 13? That's crazy. You was speeding. That's all there is to it. But um, I don't drive fast as them. And even when I get on the interstate, if it's 75, I don't bust 78. As a matter of fact, most of the time I do 75 or 76. I don't even play with it anymore. Because what is the difference if I'm going 80 or I'm going 75? Five miles an hour faster. If I get there five miles quicker, 
How long does five miles take to travel? Going 60, it takes five minutes. So if I'm going 75, the speed limit, it's got to take at least one minute less. So I'm saving, excuse me, four minutes by speeding? Hey, it ain't worth it. Four minutes, or even if I go 85, I'm, I'm, I'm saving three minutes? Oh, come on. Who, who cares? Or six minutes, going other way. I, I get six minutes. And it, what, are they going to change much? So the, what I'm saying is, I had a conversation with this brother. Oh, it's been over a month now. Out in Henderson with the press box folks. And he was talking about how he just doesn't violate the law. I said, brother, you don't speed? He said, man, I ain't speed in years. I said, you use the turn signal all the time? He said, everything in a vehicle to avoid, you know, being, you know, picked on, I do. I said, he said, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't, I don't have any vices. I don't go places where, you know, it's shady characters doing things they ain't got no business doing. And he said, I stay, I stay below the radar. He said, so I don't have any occurrences to deal with law enforcement. I take care of business at home. Ain't no drama there. I was like, shoot. I said, well, hell, you don't have, said, you don't have much interaction. He said, that's the point. You know, I got power. I've got control over myself. A lot of us, a lot of us, and this is for my brothers, we don't have much control at our jobs. Very few of us are the bosses at our job. Very few. And even in that, there is from time to time an instance where you have somebody else that's over you that's, uh, that looks a different, different color. But since for the most part we're not the boss at the job, when we get home, most of the time, that's the only place that we are the man. And sometimes we're in relationships, and I talk about myself. Uh, I'm not putting myself in this, but y'all hear me, though. Um, where you get home and you don't get treated like the king at home, even though you handle your business, you take care of things. And nothing for not. Ain't no, ain't no lights off. Ain't no water off. Everybody's got clothes on their back. They got food to eat. They eat till they full. They can eat again. Um, when you got that going on, you, you've done your job. You provided for your family. But sometimes you get in situations where things are not right. But what I want to leave y'all with, I know 90 seconds, is this. Brothers, our own self-restraint to keep us from going all over the place, spreading our seed all over the place and all that, you know, be careful with what you do with yourself. Have self-restraint and self-control at all times, and you can position yourself that when you're behind the eight ball, you still have power. Those things, when I, when I was on the side of the road, I still had power. I knew the situation. I knew how it was going to play out as long as the words that came out of my mouth and the words that came out of their mouth, they did this little frequency dance, and that's what I did. I danced. I played verbal jujitsu. So we can't change our colors, whether we're solid or stripes. We're not going to change whether or not we're the cue ball or not, but we can position ourselves 
to be able to take a blow and, and still remain on the table and and hopefully stay on there long enough till this thing actually becomes fair. So that's my talk. That's the gumbo talk for tonight. We're back right here next week at uh, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. I don't know the topic next week. You can always call in and have a debate with me. I love to hear folks talk. But this is the end of my little 45 minutes or so for the show uh, tonight. And I just want to thank everybody who tuned in for listening, and I look forward to getting back in your ear uh, next week. Good night, y'all.